You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, Ocelots oozing on Outer Ontario. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 166. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your oddball orators outrunning omelets. I'm Colin. I'm Dan. And I'm Chris. And we have a special guest this week. It is... I'm Tyler. Tyler Hinman, our old friend and um, crossword champion. Five, five-time crossword second, champion. Second best crossword puzzler in America, which I feel just great about. <laughs> oh... Uh, before we get started here, we have a small, small bit of housekeeping to get through uh, a quick installment of our errors and omissions segment. Um, actually, so uh, so this time it's, it's me. I got them. <laughs> In our all quiz uh, show, I did a quiz about three syllable, four letter words, and Oahu is one of those uh, three syllable, four letter words. And I said it was a city. And it's actually an island. You guys didn't know what I meant, but I was wrong. And so, <laughs> all the Hawaiian people who uh, yes, the people who live in Hawaii said that in. I was like, excuse this me. Is, wow. This is how we conduct the surveys and find out where our fans are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just keep getting state facts wrong. <laughs> all right. And without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz. Hot shot. And Tyler gets to play. Woo-hoo. Tyler has my buzzer, which is the doggy buzzer. And here I have a random Trivial Pursuit card. And you guys have your barnyard buzzers. Here we go. This is Trivial Pursuit Pop Culture 2. Okay. Oh. Oh, that's a good one. All right. I'm just skimming just the topics. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. All right. Blue Edge for TV. What actress starring as a college sophomore on A Different World was obliged to leave the show when she became pregnant? Whoa. Tyler. Uh, is that a Lisa Bonet? It is Lisa Bonet. Uh. She's married to someone famous, right? Uh, she's married to Jason Momoa. Cal Drogo! That's right, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I believe he's playing Aquaman in the uh, upcoming Aquaman movie. Who? Lenny Kravitz? Jason, Jason Momoa. Lisa <laughs> 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 Bonet? Guys, we got Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, <laughs> quite a coup. He seems so dense. Like, I can't imagine him floating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next question. Pink wedge for fad. What U.S. state is known as Mini in CB radio lingo? Wow. Uh, everybody? Minnesota. Incorrect. Oh, oh, what? Oh. Mini in CB radio M-I-N-I in CB radio lingo. Is it Rhode Island? Yes. Okay, all right. Why? Because it's small? It's small. It's very small. Is it a small state? Small state. Oh, okay. We're from Connecticut. We pick on Rhode Island. Um, all right, uh, next question. Yellow Edge for Buzz. You know what? You're not, Chris, you're not allowed to answer this question. Wow, okay. So it's a video game question. No, it's oh, not. Wow. What Survivor star pled guilty to tax evasion oh, for wow. failing to report his $1 million in winnings? <laughs> Everybody else but Chris. Richard, Richard Hatch. Wow, oh, okay. <laughs> the first Survivor. The first Survivor. Yeah. All right, Purple Wedge for music. What 34-year-old whippersnapper... <laughs> Join Willie Nelson and Neil Young to organize the first farm aid. Uh, oh, the first farm aid. 
I was going to say Garth Brooks, but that's way too late. The first farm aid. Yeah, 30. What, 34 year old whippersnapper at that time? At that time, right. It joined. B- Billy Joel? No, no. It is John Mellencamp. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. 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 That's the same as John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> is the it? Same. I think yeah. so. The very right. same. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Green White for Movies. What movie did Linda Hamilton prepare for by training with former Israeli commando Uzi Gal? Uh, Colin. Terminator 2, Judgment Day? Correct. Mm. Full title. Very good. Where she was ripped. Right. She's super ripped. Uh, Last question. Sports and games. Whose blonde braids prompted Pete Sampras to blurt, Hey, are those real? At the U.S. Open. (laughs) Chris. Andre Agassi. Incorrect. Ooh, that's what I would have said. Mm. He did have it's crazy hair. Like a, Andre Agassi oh, yeah. did have crazy yeah, 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 yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. it's like, but not. Wait, not yeah, maybe it wasn't braids. Venus Williams. Uh, it is Serena Williams. Uh, oh, 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 okay. like, they wear braids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job, brains. And so uh, Tyler is here, and there's a very good reason for that. Um, I just want to say that today's episode is inspired by many things. Uh, but mostly by uh, one of our listeners, Neville Fogarty, who Tyler also knows. Hey, Neville. Neville actually wrote us a Good Job Brain crossword puzzle that we're going to put on the site so everybody mm. can can download and print and play along. The answers are related to like things we talked about in the show. What? Very, really? Very, 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 very cool. Oh. And so uh, to celebrate Neville and his uh, crossword puzzle, today we decided we're going to dedicate our whole episode on puzzles, which is why... Tyler is here, who is the king, king of puzzles. The king. The king. The king. Good to be king. I, I appreciate that you're all genuflecting right now. It's not necessary, <laughs> but I'm glad you're doing it. So this week, it's all about puzzles. The face of puzzle pieces. Don't you take guys to start us off something we love doing here on good job brain is eating gross candy oh and we, we were in fye the other day the uh the, you know the record store in the mall so um yes yeah, so we got this it's called jelly belly bean boozle oh crap this is Basically, no it, there's a there's a spinner in this box and then what we have is a whole bunch of different flavors so like but they all look oh, the same so it might be it might be tutti fruity or it might be stinky socks. Oh. It might be chocolate pudding or it might be canned dog food. It might be peach. It might be barf. Oh, so no. with this in hand, we have a little spinner. How and everybody is this a puzzle? It's, oh I hate you. It's more. Oh, I guess it's more of a Russian roulette. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But for kids. Oh my God. So I'll, I'll pass around the spinner. It's got a real little spinner. And, like and it has a real spinner, and they'll tell you what the two. Um, different flavors are All for right. that color, and that's the one that you get to eat. Wow. How much fun! And oh, since Tyler is our guest, he can go first. Yes. Oh boy, yes. the people who invented this should be tried at the hate. I actually don't mind dog food. I'd rather eat dog food than stinky socks or earwax or vomit. All right, here goes the spin. Lucky right. lady. Lucky well, lady. I got, oh yes, I got. Oh, I, I am fortunate to land on either the peach or the bark. Yes. Here we go. Oh, and do I, have to, I have to eat it? I guess. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm saying bad flavor just based on the on his reaction. I can't really tell. <laughs> That's an indictment of their peach flavor. 
<laughs> no, not barf. <laughs> There you go. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? The blue one is berry blue or toothpaste. I oh, come on. Toothpaste. You got a white. You did get off. No, 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 no. I, I haven't spun it yet. I'm just, I'm just looking. Oh, what is it? Butter popcorn or rotten egg. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Whole thing, Karen. Whole thing. Oh, Whole thing. thing. Oh, what is that? No, you get a half a bean. Biting. Yeah. Want to die? Oh, I think I ate the wrong one. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I had the wrong one. What did you eat? Uh, caramel corn or moldy cheese. This oh, okay. is moldy cheese. Oh, it is? Oh, no. no it's not that bad. It's, it has a jalapeno people flavor. Eat, people eat moldy cheese all the time. I know, I was going to say. Yeah. Some <laughs> like good that. money yeah. for that. Right. All Delicacy. Right, here we Let go. the record show I swallowed mine. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right. I guess I'm the big winner. I got... <laughs> oh, no, this is, I got uh, Tutti Frutti or Stinky Socks. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, make sure you get the right color. All right, Dana, let me match color. here. All right, Dana, do you agree? Tutti Frutti yeah. or Stinky's? Here we go. Oh, I got Tutti Frutti. Oh! oh. oh. I want to know. Boo. All right. You're too Dana's so nervous. Wow. I just, she's trying to, she's like, how, how hard do I have to push the spinner to get toothpaste? <laughs> if I picked this game to participate in, I, I would have said no. <laughs> I think this secretly is like measuring if you're a good person or not. I, I, I think if you've done wrong, then you get the bad flavors. <laughs> no, I think if you bring this game to play, you're a bad person. <laughs> Licorice or skunk spray? Both oh. of them. Are oh, oh, both of them are gross. It's like I'll the take the skunk same. spray. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. <laughs> no. yeah. All right. Just do it. Just do it. All right. Good luck, Dana. <laughs> is this skunk or licorice? licorice. licorice. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, no. I think, I think it would be funny if you had that reaction for licorice. That's too. Man, like, you ripped that out of your mouth. Okay, let the record show I'm the only one who got a bad flavor and finished it. It, was like, it felt like a gas was released in my mouth. Ew. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, fair enough. Juicy pear or booger. <laughs> oh. Here we go. Hopefully you will. Uh, Here we go. Come on, booger. Come this on, was booger. specifically mentioned in Harry Potter. Yes. With, uh, Ron, Ron reckons he got a bogey flavor. Bogey. Come on, booger. Come on, booger. <laughs> That's a booger face. It doesn't even taste like a booger. It just tastes like bad. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Is it salty? Salty and peppery and... Uh, what it, I love about this flavor is that it puts you on the spot to describe what your own boogers taste like. <laughs> right, right. like oh, this tastes nothing like... like my, oh, <laughs> well, thanks, Chris. That was a great... Yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> puzzle. Great puzzle. Yeah. Seemed more puzzly when I bought it. <laughs> sure it did. <laughs> so right before we started recording, we were talking about selling things on eBay. Just purely coincidentally. So I was clearing out a bunch of stuff uh, from my desk. Old toys and collectibles and things that I just don't need anymore. And one of the things I came across was a Rubik's Cube. A Rubik's Cube. You guys have all seen a Rubik's Cube? Yes. Smashed one. Smashed (laughs) one. Yeah, I took them apart when I was a kid. You know, I would get frustrated and put Pick them the stickers Pick on. the stickers yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are sort of the two two avenues of cheating, or I take the stickers off or pull the blocks out and reassemble them. And then it's always kind of wobbly, you know, yep. after that. It's never really as good. But now people would just watch a YouTube video. Well, so it's funny you say that, Dana, uh, because this Rubik's Cube <laughs> that I found was unsolved. It was completely jumbled. And I picked it out, and I was like, Dang it. I'm going to have to Have you solve ever this solved thing. one before? I have never in my okay, life solved a Rubik's Cube. Including today. Uh, well, I have as of now. 
I did a very, very unscientific survey, and I found out that this may not surprise you. Solved Rubik's cubes will sell for more than unsolved. Really? Rubik's oh cubes man! Already. Okay. So I solved it yep. just in the hopes that I would get a slightly higher sale oh price on eBay. Um, but so, so as I said, I'd never solved a Rubik's cube in my life. Like as a kid, I would get so frustrated, and you know, I mean, they had the guidebooks. I mean, even back in the 1980s, you know, pre pre internet, there were guides available, and and you can solve it algorithmically. Like there there is a way to solve. Them. But I had never done it, so I. Justin Bieber has done it. Has he? Yeah, he did it in a car in seconds, in, in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah I think he knew that he knew the way to do it. So there is a way. There is a way yes. to do it. Right. Yeah, my brother so memorized the, the things that how to do it. Yeah, and Tyler, you probably did. Right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not one of those crazy speed solvers, but yeah, I can do it in five minutes or so, maybe. That's not bad. I mean, yeah. So I went online, and of course, I fell into just this subculture of, of speed cubing, speed cubing. Oh, that's and, awesome! And cube solving, and I learned there's, of course, of course, no surprise. There's a whole notation. There's a whole way of describing how you make the difference. That's so cool. Move, right. There's all there's a letter notation, and and so when you follow these steps, you know, ten or twelve, whatever it is, and you follow them on your real life cube. So I learned all those. Follow the YouTube videos. Right. I saw the Rubik's cube. cube. When you look at an unsolved Rubik's cube, you think it's a random pattern, but it's, but it's not yeah. random at all. I mean, it's a very, very big number, but there are a limited number of possible, you know, uh, permutations. Mm-hmm. So I solved it. Um, it hasn't sold yet. It's up on eBay. I'll, I'll update you guys <laughs> as, of, as of next week. I'll okay. let you know how it did. Hey, maybe we'll we'll drive the price up. With mentioning it on the show. Unfortunately, by the time this episode airs, the auction will be over. Oh, well, so, too bad. Too bad. But so I was doing some research on this toy that has, you know, un- undoubtedly one of the best-selling toys of all time. Some people say it may be. It may be the best-selling toy of all time. Uh, certainly the best-selling puzzle of all time. Yeah. And just hugely, hugely popular. So I've got a little mixture of some quiz and some trivia nuggets for you guys about the Rubik's Cube. All right, well, let's, let's get this out of the way. Who, who, what, or where? Who, what, or where is the Rubik ah. in a Rubik's Cube? Uh, Tyler. Uh, it's named after uh, crossword favorite Erno Rubik. E R N O appears in puzzles uh, quite a lot. Oh, it's favorable uh, letter Wait, combination. <laughs> yes, E R N O, and I think there's a weird diacritical over the O or something, but that doesn't appear in crosswords. We don't worry about that. You look so excited. You're like, oh, I'm happy. Crossword ease in real life. Yeah. It's always, uh, always good to see. That makes sense. Of course, you'll be a crossword. He has four yeah. letters. you got yep. the R in the yep. middle. All yeah. Common letters. Yeah, that's right. Erno Rubik. He's uh, Hungarian. Uh, he's still around, still alive. He was a professor uh, in Hungary, professor of architecture, and he designed the original Rubik's Cube almost as like a, a, a study or a thought experiment for himself. He wanted to build something that could rotate freely without the cubes falling out. He didn't even have it in mind as a puzzle originally. And it was after he had developed it out of wood and rubber bands, the original one, that he and his students kind of hit on, hey, you know, this could be a really interesting puzzle. Right. So he marketed it as a puzzle. Uh, but yeah, so it hit, it hit the international market in 1980 and was just an absolute, absolute smash. I'll give you guys a little bit of a head start on this next question here. Um, a cube has six sides. All right, I'll give you guys that one. So what are the traditional six colors of a Rubik's Cube? Uh, oh. oh, my buzzer's there. Tyler, after some I thought. St- I stole Karen's buzzer. All right, let's see if I can get this. All right, I believe there's red, orange, yellow, green, white, and blue? That is correct. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. I would have said purple. And, of course, there are now, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of... I mean, you can get things printed on the side. You can get your own photos on the side of them. That original, 
the, the model of the rotating cube like that, that design, they didn't really enforce the patent on that. So Uh-oh. there's one reason that there are many, many third-party, you know, cube makers now that make that type of rotating cube puzzle. Oh, you can't no. call it a Rubik's Cube. Right. Falling into the subculture, I learned that the professional, the speed cubers actually, a lot of them don't even use the Rubik's Cube. They use, you know... They use basically specially designed speed cubes with high quality rotating. Oh, so and the friction is, is less. Oh yeah. my! Oh my goodness! They, they advertise a lot. Rubik's cube has uh, billions of combinations. You know, like just oh, big number, billions of combinations. And and while that's true, while that's true, it would be not unlike me taking you guys into the largest bank in the world and saying, guys, there are hundreds of dollars here. <laughs> 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 they deliberately downplay the number because the actual number is so big oh. that people have no sense. There are more than 40 quintillion <laughs> possible combinations of the cubes, of the cubes in a 3 You'd have to, you have to describe cube. to somebody what a quintillion is yeah. Yeah. for them to be impressed by it. I, I will make no bones about that. I had to go look it up myself. And yes, that's a one with 18 zeros. Wow. One quintillion. And more than 40 quintillion. All right, Karen. So back to speed cubing. Yes, yes, right. yes. So, so that's the, my new life goal. Oh, <laughs> I, I believe you could do it, Karen, if you set your mind to it. Uh, the governing body is the World Cube Association. Oh, and they run sanctioned events. Uh, they have many different disciplines. There's fewest number of moves solving. Okay. There's fastest single cube solve. Uh, most competitions I've learned go like your fastest average solve. So you do you do you do five solves and then take the fastest uh, average time. Mm-hmm. Would you guys care to guess? Oh man, what the current world record for a single cube solve on a three by three Rubik's cube? Is? Tyler knows. Okay, I'm gonna take a guess. We'll do closest two. We'll okay. everyone take a stab at it. Okay. Um, two and a half seconds. Chris says two and a half. What? Seconds. I say. Uh, eight seconds. Eight seconds. Yeah, I would think it's in the single digit seconds too. Let's. I was just say nine. Nine seconds. I think it's. I think it's right around five seconds. I'm gonna go right in the middle there. I'm gonna give it to Tyler. It is in fact wow. five point two five seconds. Wow. Set just this year, right. just a few months ago, in fact, by American. Woo! Yeah, Colin, Colin Burns. USA. Yeah. USA. Uh, there is video of it on YouTube if you want to go see his world record setting time. And that's one cube, or is that the average time? It's again? a single cube. That's the okay. fastest single cube solve. And the way it works basically is, you know, you show up. You've got a, a shuffled jumbled cube. It's covered. All right, they, they yeah, lift up the cover. Of course, of course. You're allowed to examine it quickly, and then you put it down, and it's on a speed pad. So you, the timer oh. starts when you lift it up to solve, and the timer starts when you set down the solve cube. Okay, so you can pick it up, and you can look at it and put it down yes. before you step, before your time starts. That's right. Wow. That's right. You get just a few seconds to look at it. It is amazing. It really is incredible. I like the technology around that. Like, they have to build the, the spence. Yeah, there's a pad. and the, the It's really thing. cool. It's really cool. And if you guys are as nerdy and into competition as I am, go online and watch it, because... He doesn't even realize he set a world record until, oh. like, they, I mean, he sets it down, and then the nerdy reaction of everybody around as they process what's just happened, <laughs> it's great. It's just such a nerdy, <laughs> nerdy moment. So I learned more about the Rubik's Cube than I ever hoped to know, all because I had to sell one on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of your autobiography. <laughs>
How long did it take you to solve it? Well, I had to learn the notation first, yeah, actually. Yeah. So once I, I, I had a few missteps, okay. uh, it took me maybe uh, 10, 15 minutes total, total time. Can you, um, what, what's an example of a notation? Like, so, so their notation is like F for front face. Oh, okay. Um, U for the upper face. Got it. Uh, and, and, you know, when they say make a turn, it's always clockwise relative to that face. Okay, so if it says, you know, U... I'm rotating the upper face clockwise. Got it. And then there's a prime notation. So, so prime means counterclockwise. Ah. So it says you, I rotate wow. the upper layer counterclockwise. Right. Not long. And I didn't feel bad when I found out that it took Erno Rubik himself about a month to solve it. <laughs> when he first jumbled it. Because well, yeah. it wasn't a puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And there's no uh, YouTube for him to go on. And, yeah. Well, now there is. Yeah, now there is. I bet he was so excited when he <laughs> After it. a month. I bet he was. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Here on Good Job Brain, our favorite slash least favorite candy is Laffy Taffy. Well, actually, I guess our least favorite candy now is Jelly Belly. Yeah. Um, uh, nobody, there's no fart Jelly Belly. Um, so we love yeah. reading um, the riddles in the back of uh, Laffy Taffy's, um, which are never gettable. Um, and neither of these, <laughs> neither of these old tiny riddles that uh, we so that I've that I pulled out. Uh, maybe you'll get them. Oh, who knows? We'll, we'll find out. Wait, is it because it's really hard or is it because it's just dumb? You know why? It's because um, a lot of these things, uh, there's not one true – there's not like – there could be many different solutions to some of these. But it's like uh, it's like Humpty Dumpty. We talked about Humpty Dumpty on a previous episode. And that Humpty Dumpty, the little rhyme, was a riddle. We were supposed to figure out – you're supposed to listen to the verse and figure out that Humpty Dumpty is an egg. But, of course, Humpty Dumpty could be a lot of things, right? Yeah. Sheet of glass. Again. Right, right, right. Sheet of glass. Thank you, Karen. What I want you to do is think of, try to think about, like, the most common things that somebody 100 years ago might have answered for one of these riddles. Okay. And that, that's probably the answer. Okay. okay. So here's a bunch of old-timey riddles for you. And no, I'm not going to leave you too hanging. Don't worry about this. All right. So here we go. So here's riddle number one. Who makes it has no need of it. Who buys it has no use for it. Who uses it can neither see nor feel it. I've heard this one. I've heard this one before, too. Yeah, they're classics. Tyler? I believe that's a coffin. That is indeed Uh, a coffin. Who makes it has no need of it. Who buys it has no use for it. Who uses it can neither see nor feel it. It is a coffin. There we go. Unless you're buried alive. Spooky. Kinda I mean, that did happen. Yeah. It's in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Fair point, yeah. Karen. Here, here's another one for you. Glittering points that downward thrust. Sparkling spears that never rust. I, I think Karen raised her hand. I first. raised my hand. Oh, okay. Snowflakes? Not snowflake. Uh, Collet. Uh, uh, icicles? Icicles. Okay. Oh, yes, okay. Glittering points that downward thrust, sparkling spears that never rust. Our icicles. How about this one? This is a classic. This thing all things devours. Birds, beasts, trees, flowers. Gnaws iron, bites steel. Grinds hard stones to meal. Slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. Uh, Colin Dana. 
Is it time? It is time. Oh, I was like, is it like acid rain? Time. Alive without breath, as cold as death, clad in mail, never clinking, never thirsty, ever drinking. Clad of breath. Alive without breath, as cold as death, Uh clad in mail, never clinking, never thirsty, ever drinking. This, was this in the Lord of the Rings or something? <laughs> it might have been. like a hobbit. It might have been. I hate these. Yo, yeah? Oh, is it, uh... How about... Uh, a rain spout? No, it's not a rain spout. The male, the male. It is, it is alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine chain mail, and imagine what sort of creature might have something that looks like that. Armadillo. Um, well... Pangolin. Arm- armadillos breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is always drinking. Uh, so the answer that they want for this is a fish. It is a fish. Uh, fish breathe. We're tripping. We're yeah, picking it apart. Know that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, using right. using a three hundred year old uh, knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. Here's a fun one. What question can you never honestly answer yes to, Colin? Are you asleep? Yes, correct. Yeah. Or are you dead? That's on dad joke territory. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Two in a corner, one in a room, zero in a house, one in a shelter. What am I? Tyler. Uh, is that the letter R? It is the letter R. Uh, yes. uh, Two in a corner, one in a room, none in a house, one in a shelter. <laughs> Forward, I'm heavy. Backward, I'm not. What am I? <laughs> Tyler jumped right on it. Yeah. Ton. A ton. Yeah. Forward, I'm heavy. Backward, I'm not. Yeah, forward, it's a ton. Backward, it's, it's not. not. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And here's one. This is ridiculous, but I love it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Whoever makes it, tells it not. Whoever takes it, knows it not. Whoever knows it, wants it not. Oh, I know. This is a physical object. Say it again. Whoever makes it, Tells it not. Thought it was a fart. Whoever <laughs> you can hold this in your hand. You have probably held some of this in your hand at some point. Whoever makes it tells it not. Whoever takes it knows it not. Whoever knows it wants it not. I I've 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 just read this. I think this. this oh yeah. is from uh, Barbara Girl. What it was. Oh okay. Whoever makes it tells it not. You just want us to know that at some point. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Knows it not. Is it a, so it's whoever like, makes whoever makes so it's not tells a secret. It not. So you right. make it, you, you, you would never right. tell anybody right. you right. made it. Whoever takes it, if you, if you, whoever takes it knows it. <laughs> if you take it. if you take it, you don't. You would never take it if you knew what it was. Okay. And if you knew what it was, you wouldn't want it. Okay. Yep. And, well, it's like donation or money. Or? It was whoever knows it wants it not. Donation. You've or probably a had some a... at some point. If you ever found out they had it, you were probably pretty mad. Physical oh, taxes is not bad. Yeah. Physical thing. Uh, we're gonna feel so dumb. I'll tell you about it. No, I mean it's yeah. Um, oh, do, no, you, you know? No, okay. okay, it is counterfeit money. Oh, uh, uh, that was okay. like money. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's actually that actually makes sense. Those are my dumb old timey riddles. Thank you. So I have some anagrams for you guys. My ship has come in. <laughs> so these are there are harder. no prizes. These are harder my than ship normal. Is not okay. Yeah. So I so I took two words. That are of the same type. So today it is the top 24 um, most searched for animals on Google in 2014. So there was a list of the most searched Googled um, animals. And I took two from the list and I put it through the anagram engine. 
we're going to have to de-scramble and get two animals? Yes. <gasps> okay. okay. All right. Well, we'll start out easy-ish. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Fig plow. Pig and fowl. Oh. Uh, pig and wolf. Yes. I think pig uh, and fowl is good. Yeah. But, but it's a search for. But uh, it's not top, yeah. top okay. Google search. All right. Pig wolf. Pig wolf. Mm-hmm. How about ranks? Shakes. Oh, ranks? Shakes. Like if you were going to rate a bunch of milkshakes. Rank. Mm-hmm. Rank. Shakes. Uh, shark and snake. Yes. Uh, wow. Shark, yeah, I got the snake. Well, that's, re- that's the, really yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah. How about this? London hippie. Uh, how is hippie spelled? Hippie is H-I-P-P-Y. Okay. Uh, the hippo? No. Oh. London hippie. London hippie. They might be on a Lisa Frank folder, both of these. Oh, God. Oh. Unicorn no. monkey. No, there's no U. There's, <laughs> a... there's no E either, which is interesting. Wow, we're stuck on this uh, one. Oh, oh, um, oh. Uh, oh yeah. dolphin? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then what's left? P. There's a P. Wait, there's a Y. Uh-huh. Guys, they're so close. <laughs> Pony. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Pony. Pony. It's obvious we are not writing anything down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Rebate slop. <laughs> Bear. No. <gasps> oh, that was a bear too. Rebate. I mean, oh, rebate. Slop. 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 Yeah. Okay. Lobster. Oh. Um, really? Ape. And yes. I oh. uh, just couldn't cross it out. <laughs> How about leaky genome? Leaky genome. Yeah. Genome. Wow. Monkey and eagle. Yes. Mm. I I had just gotten to crossing out eagle yeah, and yeah. seeing what was left. <laughs> Tail ribbon. T A L E or T A I L? Rabbit. Uh, no. Rabbit lion. Rabbit lion. Oh, yeah. I buzzed him when you said no. I gotta keep the first one quiet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to give you ample time to solve the second one. Trucked yuck. Trucked Yeah. So past oh, tense of uh, turkey duck. Oh! <laughs> Some of us are Yeah, exactly. Some of us are reaching. Uh, I've only got two hands. <laughs> Good job, you guys. All right, I'm going to read to you for uh, four kind of interesting phrases. They'll be explained uh, once I uh, go into my topic here. So here are these uh, these phrases. Good job, brain co-hosts contribution to brunch risotto. Good job, brains co-hosts company line for the most part. Regressive advertisement about one Good Job Brain co-host. And Good Job Brain co-host is nurturing, you hear? <laughs> <laughs> these these sound like slogans. Like like by the back of the box or something. <laughs> well, what, great. well, what I have written here, as uh, Chris has uh, deduced, because we have a little bit of experience uh, solving these things together, I have written four cryptic crossword clues. Now, you've all heard of the uh, crossword puzzle, of course, that appears in your uh, local newspaper from, you know, whatever source uh, they get it from. The New York Times, very popular one. Uh, but there's a uh, sort of a British-style uh, cryptic. It's the most common uh, crossword type uh, in England. They've made their way to uh, to our shores a little bit, but they're definitely not as popular here uh, as they are over there. Uh, this is the cryptic crossword, and it's the default uh, crossword style uh, in England. And as you may have gathered, uh, the clues for these puzzles are um, they're much longer than the uh, conventional American crossword clue, which typically just provides a short definition or a trivia quiz or a fill-in-the-blank or something. 
and what makes a cryptic clue different from the normal crossword clue is that each clue contains two parts. One part is a conventional definition that you might find in a normal, normal straight crossword, as the, as the term goes. And the other half is wordplay. And it, so it indicates the answer in a second way. Oh, like a meta way. Like sort of, yeah, yeah, sort of. And there's a bunch of different wordplay techniques you can use to get at that. And they're much harder to solve. But once you get an answer, you can be pretty sure it's correct since you have kind of two ways of getting about it. And mm. you can solve clues either way. You might think of a clue that fits the definition part and then kind of justify it with the wordplay. Or you might kind of piece together a bit of the wordplay and then the answer will jump into your head and you'll see that matches the definition. But where the tricky part lies is... Every clue reads like a co- coherent thought, a complete sentence, or at least kind of a complete clause. Um, so the tricky part is finding the dividing line between the two parts and in which order they go in. Like which which part is signaling the wordplay and which part is actually the word. Right. Can we have an example? We, we can absolutely have several examples. Uh, of course, there's the four I read, but I'll start with um, a simple example. Um, one common wordplay technique you'll see in cryptics is called a charade, which is simply two parts going together and spelling something else. Just A plus B is A B. Uh, so the very a very simple example would be Slim Monarch is cogitating. That's eight letters long. Thin King. Slim. Thin King. Thin right. King. Right. Thin so of course, cogitating oh. is the slim, thin monarch king, and then is is sort of a kind of a connector word, sort of an equal sign, if you will. Got so it. Right. Thin King is yeah. thinking. And then you you said cogitating. I'm like, okay, that means thinking. Right. And I was like, oh, as soon as I said that, I was like, ah, yes. Oh, and, and yeah. it makes sense because that does double check. Like that is the one right answer right, because right. it works for both both cases. And there, there's a lot of different wordplay techniques you can use. There's the uh, anagram. There's putting a word inside another word. There are words going in reverse. Um, and the clues I've written here I'll reflect uh, a number of these uh, types. For other wordplay types, there'll usually be words that indicate what kind of wordplay it is. Like for anagram, basically any word that indicates being broken or reorganized or drunk or confused or anything that might convey something in a jumbled up, jumbled up, anything like that. Reverse, you know, to indicate like a word being reversed, there might be going up or heading back for or something like something like that. You you eventually learn to pick out those indicators and you you kind of pluck those out and look at the words around them to see how they might apply. Uh, the, the four clues I uh, opened this. Uh, this yeah, 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 yeah. With. Let's wait, let's All try right. to figure it out. Okay, right, what so was the first one. This this first one actually uh, is a is a wordplay technique I have uh, not yet mentioned, and it's the kind of thing that's extremely easy to understand, but it's also kind of the easiest to miss when you're actually solving. Okay, okay. So this first one. Good job, brain co-hosts. Contribution to brunch risotto. Okay, brunch risotto. Risotto. I, I figured this out. Risotto. Gonna, risotto. Yeah. Ris- well, Ris- first, first, I mean, in, in this particular case, the definite, the 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 straight definition is probably good job, brain co-host, as it is for all of them. And then, yeah. okay, and then the wordplay definition is contribution to brunch risotto. Brunch risotto. Without you don't have to anagram it. You don't have to do anything. The person's name appears in the phrase brunch, brunch. risotto. Chris. Right. So yeah. the answer is Chris. Good job, brain co-host. Is the straight portion contribution to brunch risotto as the, one the, word? Yeah, oh. the letter C H R I S contribute to that phrase. Yeah. If you read it spelled out literally and without with with, with spaces, but without any letters, it helps that, like that it helps that three of us have five letter names yeah. and Dana has. <laughs> yes. Uh, when we get to when we get to Dana's clue, that maybe uh, that may stick out a little bit. All right. So the next one. Good job, brain co-hosts. Company line for the most part. Oh, Colin. It is Colin, yes. Yeah, Colin. Cold line. For the most. Right. There's a, few, there's a couple so of things So meaning like right taking here. its chunks out of each of them. Well, 
Co is an abbreviation yeah. for company. You, you use that a lot. In, oh, got it. You do that a lot in cryptic crosswords. If, yeah. if, a, if, a, if a word or phrase can be expressed by a one or two letter abbreviation, like if you see a chemical element in a clue, a lot of time that's going to be the symbol. Got if you it. see a state, that's going to be the postal abbreviation, oh. things like that. So C-O-L-I-N-E. Right. And you just drop the E. Right. So. Line for the most part. For the most part. So most of the word line is L-I-N. So C-O plus L-I-N-E minus that last letter. Okay. The next one. Regressive advertisement about one good job brain co-host. It's me. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's Dana. <laughs> An ad. Yeah. Regressive. Because it's, it's going backwards. backwards. And then the last one, which I think we all know. Oh, I want to know. Uh, good job brain co-host is nurturing. You hear? She's Karen. Karen. That is the homophone, another uh, common technique. And the indicator is anything that, like, according to the ear... So anything that indicates kind of hearing, you would look and either provide a synonym for the uh, previous word or the following word. Nurturing. Yeah, so nurturing, caring. There you go. Have a phone in there, man. It just it takes it so many other angles you could go off in there. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. But you have to double check it with a good job brain part, right? right? To to, right. to to make sure that's the right answer. And once you solve it, you can be pretty sure of your answer because you have the good job brain co-host part, and you have and you have the wordplay part. And so that's the basic kind of technique of a, of a cryptic clue, and obviously these form a conventional uh, crossword puzzle, although wow. in these in these grids, on um, the American-style puzzles, all the letters are checked. You have basically two shots at every word because every letter crosses. Mm-hmm. In a British puzzle, only a, a little more than half the letters will be crossing. So there's a, there's a lot more black squares, and you have to solve every clue to finish the puzzle because everyone, wow. pretty much everyone is going to have Jeez. unchecked letters. If you were, if you were making a, a cryptic style crossword compared to a regular style of approximately equal difficulty, how much longer to, would it take you to make the cryptic? Um, well, the, the grid would take, uh, well, it, it depends because the grid, it, it's easier to make because you don't have to get everything to cross, but you also want to put in like fun words that are going to lend themselves well to, to good wordplay. And obviously the clues are much harder to write because you have to kind of make it make sense overall and all the wordplay has to work and it all just kind of has to line up. If you really get into cryptics and you kind of master these clues, there's also variety cryptics in which there's additional stuff going on. Um, and they, they vary by complexity, but a typical example would be something like every, every across clue, um, the wordplay leads to an extra letter. And oh, if you man, read, like if you a read those puzzle. letters in clue order, it'll explain to you how you must modify 10 down answers before you put them into the diagram. And the letters you drop off from the down answers will spell. And it's just, it just goes on like that. No, so. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I got to tell you, I love these. They're super fun. I would definitely say if people... It's a lot of work. It is, but it's like once you start learning the rules for each one, like, okay, well, what kind it. of wordplay is it? You'll start to recognize them. Then what I do is, because I'm not really good at them, I start entering in the ones that I know. And then I can kind of look at the cryptic clue and then look at the letters that are already there. And then it'll start kind of popping out at me like what mm-hmm. the answer is. Cryptic crosswords, it's like every word you write down, it's a little eureka moment. It's a little, <laughs> like, it's super fun. It's little mini puzzles that you're solving. Really good. So, Tyler, um, what's the best, where's the best place to, to try these out? Like, do you, anything you recommend? Um, there's, a, there's a good source. is actually the, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Um, they recently started a daily uh, conventional crossword. And uh, once a month, it's a uh, variety cryptic crossword by... Uh, Emily Cox and uh, Henry Rathbond, who have been doing it a very long time, and they're very, very good. And I say variety cryptic, which might scare people off given what I just described, but the gimmicks are usually fairly light, fairly straightforward, and I actually, if you want to get into cryptics and variety cryptics in particular, I think it's a, that's a fine entry. Also, The Nation, the magazine. Yes, the yes Nation. absolutely. Yeah, thank you for the reminder. Uh, my friends uh, Josh Kosman and uh, 
Henry Picciotto. Uh, they make the uh, the cryptic crossword for the Nation magazine, which just started up uh, a few years ago. They basic, straightforward, quick cryptic, and they're and they're and they're very clever. Cool. Well, if you guys are into that, check those out. I've tried some of these before. It, it takes practice to know kind of what they're kind of asking, but also like gives me a giant headache afterwards. <laughs> so that's, just, that's how you know it's working. Yeah, that's how. You, that's yeah, it's like Listerine. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. A word from our sponsor. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Well, you know, I don't need much of an excuse to indulge in some word nerdery. So I have a puzzle-themed edition of Colin's Word Nerd Corner. Yes. <laughs> like you said, word nerdery. Nerdery. When we're kids, I feel like, at least I was this way, puzzle meant one thing. When you're a really young kid, puzzle was very literally like, oh, a jigsaw puzzle. That's yeah, puzzle. yeah, yeah. And it's only as, as you get older that you're like, oh, puzzle can be more metaphorical as well. Uh, the term jigsaw puzzle goes back to about the early 1900s. Uh, the, the earliest reference that OED has is from 1909. And one of the reasons they're not super, 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 super old is that a jigsaw puzzle uh, was actually made from a jigsaw. Yeah. What is a jigsaw? Who wants, who wants to take a very quick stab? Like Karen. I know carpentry. Okay, go for um, it. It is a, a jigsaw is a more flexible saw. It's not like a, a giant saw. It's, it's flexible kind of like on a, not a string, but it's a very thin, flexible blade that you can cut really tight corners um, on a sheet of wood. The, the, the really key thing about it is that the, the equipment that the, the blade is mounted in, it's like a giant vertical frame. It's what's called a reciprocating saw. It's supposed to a circular saw. So it goes up and down. Fancy way of saying up and down. And yeah, you can cut very fine curves and detail into wood. You know, they use them for like... Uh, Architectural details originally is what the machine was made for, um, and it just seemed like a, a natural fit to go and make puzzles out of. All right, why jigsaw? Why? What? What? Where's the jig and jigsaw? What is it? What does that mean, Chris? Is, is it like dancing a jig? Yeah, back and forth. It's oh. like dancing a jig, and the illusion of the jigsaw is that it's operating. It's kind of going chuck 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 up and down. It's all herky jerky, really rapidly. And the illusion was like, oh, the saw is like. Doing a little jig. See, I think it looks like something else, but that's cool. <laughs> like punching or stabbing. Okay, stab saw. Yeah, yeah also except stab saw. 
I was I was doing some more research. I guess in the early days of jigsaws, so it, it was a fad in the early 1900s when jigsaws kind of you know became yeah. very popular. They were really popular. oh yeah, big jigsaw boom. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like almost depression era, right? Like they had, there's no TV. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. You know, no, there's nothing else to do. In the early years, the term also morphed into zigsaw. You'll see a lot of references from the early 1900s talking about zigsaw hmm. puzzles or zigsaw hmm. as well. What? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a quote even. Uh, I'm going to shame this person. There's a quote from 1912. <laughs> yeah, take there, that, dead one guy. Of those, one of those zigsaw puzzles, which had a fleeting vogue two or three years ago. Shots fired. Yeah, so that's it. That's the jigsaw puzzle made by a jigsaw. And the jigsaw, because it looks like it's dancing a jig. <laughs> of course, these days, you know, if you buy a jigsaw puzzle, there's no jig involved whatsoever in the construction of them. I mean, like the cardboard ones, they're just stamped out of a sheet of cardboard, basically. Sure. So do you guys know that I'm super into jigsaw puzzles? Did no, not know that. Nope. Did not know that. Um, some, the, most of the jigsaw puzzles that you go buy, it's probably made by the same company. There's only like three or four companies and the thing is, their cut patterns yeah. are generally the same. Yeah. So what I used to do as a kid is I would buy two sets of jigsaw puzzles, same number of pieces, same company, which assuming it's the same cut pattern. And what you can do is you <laughs> do a montage, you do a mashup of the jigsaw right, puzzles. Right. So like you can have like a giant pizza puzzle and then a, and another pu- puzzle of ponies. And then you put them together, so you have pony pizza puzzles. <laughs> um, so that's something you can do because they're of the same manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen like puppies and burgers before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little cool. fun thing. At my old job, we got really into jigsaw puzzles, like on our little downtime. <laughs> <laughs> like we make video games, but we got really into jigsaw. Puzzles. Let your hair down. <laughs> you know how the, the first thing when you have a jigsaw puzzle is you find the edge pieces, the corner pieces. Yep. Um, so there are a lot of jigsaw puzzles that make corner pieces in the puzzle yeah. Yeah. to hard trick edges, you. Hard yeah, edges hard edges. Yeah, so so you're like, what? Why are there like eight corners in this puzzle? So what the really big puzzles we put together, we, we saw the instructions or the how to order new pieces if you lose a piece. And it was so cool. It was like, oh, you just count basically like a grid. Just count how many over and how many down it was. Uh, and then they can mail you the piece. Wait, yeah. they can just like, mail you pieces willy-nilly? Yeah, you have to pay like, for it? Or you have to prove that you... Oh, that's kind of cool. I'm trying to imagine the scam by sending in a thousand thousand times I can sell a whole puzzle. (laughs) Plus shipping and handling. Right, right. Well, speaking of work, um, Dana, like office office puzzles. um, So this episode made me really curious and, and you see this online a lot I'm sure like people who are into trivia puzzles probably see this like oh here are the hard questions that Microsoft will ask you in an interview oh, right, or, right. or riddles that Google will ask you in an interview and I've been hearing this for a really long time and I've honestly never been into an interview where someone asked me a puzzle and I have to try to solve it um, and so I'm kind of like oh is this re- is this for real and this did happen I know people um, have why they adopted this is because people have at well what they feel like is they perfected the job interview 
system. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And I think for a lot of people, they're like, oh, we're getting the same answers. People right. know how to answer those questions really right. well. Let's throw them, like, a, put a wrench in this whole machine and try to, like, loosen them up. Did I ever tell you the story before that when I was um, doing uh, college uh, admissions interviews, uh, one of the, the interviewers... You have to uh, interview for, for college admissions? Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. So um, I did the interview, and they were just like... The interviewer was just like, okay, so I have to ask you this question. Um, you have... You have a balance, you have a scale, and you have six balls, and one of them is heavier than the other ones, and uh, you can only weigh it twice. So how do you uh, find the heaviest one? And I'm like, well, he said that you have a scale, you have a balance. I'd done all chemistry, physics, everything, and there's many kinds of balances. (laughs) And I was just like, I said, and I had not heard this problem before, or I mean, I'd heard variations. I was like, so like I said, like a centigram balance? And he goes, yeah, yeah, like that. And I'm like... That's, yeah. I thought about it a little bit, and I'm like, I yeah, I don't really know how you would do that. How do you do that? He goes, well, you put three balls on one side and three balls on the other side. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. A centigram balance only has one pan. <laughs> and he goes, oh, oh, oh. So I didn't end up going to a stupid school, which was, uh, <laughs> yeah. They don't even know centigram balances. And some of these questions, there's what they call a monologue and a dialogue. A monologue question is usually usually logic, and you're trying to like figure out, this is how I'm going to figure it out, and I have the balance, and I'm going to do this and this and this. A dialogue is inviting people to ask questions to like, mm. oh, how many ping pong balls can you stuff in the Mediterranean Sea? And it's like, oh, well, you know, what kind of ping pong? And it invites people to kind of problem solve together. And what they say for, for a lot of hiring managers or uh, HR recruiting is, Unless it is a logic puzzle, just assume all of them are dialogue. It's it's a conversation starter. It's how to talk to someone. And if they ask you a question, one of the questions is like, "How would you move Mount Fuji?" Yes. Right. And they're not. They're not. They're not. They don't expect you to like deliver them a plan for how to move Mount Fuji. They're expecting you to say, "Where are we moving it to? Can we take it apart? Where does what does it need to be if we if we move it? Yeah. So there how is, long do we have? So there is a book. It's titled How to how to move Mount Fuji. Oh, wait, it is? Microsoft, Microsoft <laughs> how to mount, that, that's about like how Microsoft kind of started this, this, a lot of these famous puzzles and stuff like that. I don't think people do logic puzzles now because all the answers are online mm-hmm. and, and they're all studyable. They're all like, you have a rope and it burns for blah, blah, blah. And what is, and, and what is the current thinking on how valid they are? Yeah. Point, yeah. You know? I think sometimes people ask you those questions. Yeah. Just to know what your personality is like. And if you're going to be a fun person to work with or not, because there's so much collaboration and people are so good at pretending to be like reasonable adults when they're answering just basic questions. So you have to like ask them something weird to see what's, uh, what's underneath the rock. If they're, if they're just like, oh, I can't do it. Stupid, like, stupid, stupid. <laughs> like, okay, well, thanks for your time. I mean, I've talked to, I've interviewed people before and they like freeze. They don't say anything. They like just won't answer anymore. Really? It's like, I bombed. I totally bombed an interview this way. It was like, how would you design? How would you design a system that works like this? And I was like, oh well, let's see. And I'm kind of like sitting in my corner and like working things out in my head, not yeah. knowing that I have to like talk to people. One of my old coworkers got uh, was like, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? And then they got graded on what animal they picked. Yeah, uh, frog. Frog is wrong. I was like, this is no, not. <laughs> wait, really? Yeah. Wait, really? Like, there's a right or wrong answer. I mean, this was not a good interview, but that's. What <laughs> Can I be Pikachu? <laughs> <laughs> I have an electric, electrical cow. Yeah. Can you be Man Bat? 
So I think we got close to discussing this once on Good Job Rain, but we didn't. Uh, but we definitely don't want to have a puzzle episode without uh, discussing something that I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Yes. It is a book that was released uh, at the tail end of the 1970s, and this book is called Masquerade. Masquerade! <laughs> um, it is considered to be the book that launched the quote-unquote armchair treasure hunt and the book, in a nutshell, the book promised, uh, it was looked like a children's, like an illustrated children's book, and it promised uh, that there was a puzzle hidden in the book, and that if you could solve the puzzle, you could win a one-of-a-kind golden, made out of 18-karat gold hair, a rabbit. Yeah. Um, oh. It was encrusted with jewels and buried somewhere in, in England. This is like the French uh, the French oh. golden owl. It is, and it, it happened around the same time. Oh, the difference okay. is the masquerade was actually solved. The golden owl uh, thing you talked about a long time ago, no one's ever solved. No. Uh, masquerade was pretty tough, but it was eventually solved. And the way that it was solved, um, sadly, did not quite work out the way that they wanted. Oh, really? Yes. Now, I should say that a lot of the information uh, that's out there on the internet about masquerade for a long time has come from the website of none other than your friend and mine, Dan Amrick. Uh, friend Holy of the show. crap, really? Yep, works uh, works for Ubisoft now here in San Francisco, but he's a good friend of ours, and he is a huge fan of Masquerade, and for uh, well over a decade now has maintained the ultimate Masquerade me. fan page. Yes. Yep. Of course he did. So oh my that's God. a great starting place to learn more about Masquerade. So the book uh, was written by an English uh, illustrator slash painter slash author named Kit Williams. Um, his work is extraordinary. I mean, I think his his paintings are, like, they're beautiful and they're just captivating. He, he paints these people with amazing facial expressions. It's sort of in the Dutch style, like really lifelike. Mm. The imagination of the work. They're so surreal. Really talented guys still working, still doing just paintings at this point that sell for quite a lot of money. Anyway, in the 70s, he was approached by a friend in book publishing who said, oh, your paintings are so interesting. They're so good. You should do a children's picture book. And he was like, mm, yeah, no. <laughs> like that's, that, nah, no, that doesn't sound like something I really want to do. But then he started thinking about it. He realized something. He realizes if if I were to make this book into a puzzle book, um, and if I were to tell people that there was something hidden in the images, they would not just glance at my paintings. Because, I mean, you work on these paintings. They For a long years. time. Yeah, yeah. They're not just going to glance at it and Flip. go, well, that's weird, and then, and then walk away. <laughs> they're going to study these paintings. Like, they're going to spend a lot of time that's staring, really contemplating... Around. And they're not going to be thinking about, like, oh, this is art. They're thinking this is a puzzle, you know, and that's more approachable. So then Kit Williams really started to think, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this looks like a children's book but is actually a, a really complicated puzzle. He makes he, – he finishes the book. He comes up with the idea. He submits it to the publisher. He makes the hair himself out of 18 karat gold and jewels. And he, and he bears. Wait, is he also like a jewel he jeweler? Is. He does, okay. He does the paintings that he does now. Um, he makes the frames himself, and he hides things in the frames. What? And sometimes the paintings kind of extend into the woodworking of the frames. Oh, cool. So the story of Masquerade the book comes out late 1979. Then it tells the story of a rabbit named Jack Hare, who's acting as a messenger between the sun and the moon. The moon is in love with the sun and wants to give the sun a present, which is this golden hair. But Jack Hare loses it somewhere. That, and that's how the book ends. It's, it's lost and you can't find it. Immediately, you start reading this book, which has basically story on, on the left page and then pictures on the right page, you know, for page to page. And it's really fascinating and beguiling. And then around every 
picture, there's this cryptic quatrain of, of, of poetry or whatever. Quatrain. And yes. And, and so the first page, it says, I am as cold as earth, as old as earth, and in the earth am I, one of six to eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, just these really kind of like Da Vinci code. I mean, right? there's a puzzle going <laughs> Begging on here. Begging you to like, attack it, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, it, as you go through and there's these pictures of these really weird, creepy looking people, like nightmare fuel type stuff, you know, like stuff that not, not, deli- you know, yeah. like the facial expressions that you just can't get out of your head and these, <laughs> these, these lines of poetry around them that are so, there's gotta be some meaning in here. Later, there's a painting with a swimmer and around that it says, I am hydrogen, two of one to eight of oxygen am I, crystal aquamarine. So, of course, you might think that one of six to eight has something to do with elements, too. So you go start working on that. Well, elements are a red herring. Uh-huh. He's dropped a lot of stuff in the book about elements for you to waste your time on, and there's had nothing to do with the, uh, with the solution. As you start looking at the words, there's some letters, which you very clearly see, are in red. And if you start pulling out the red letters, they start spelling things like hair or, you know, whatever. Dawn, dusk. Um, then... What people, you know, it takes people a little while longer to get. Some of the letters have little thorns on them. And then those spell out words. But those don't, you can start solving little puzzles, but they don't get you any closer to the, to the thing. <laughs> but people start spinning up all kinds of conspiracy theories about where it might be. And they start writing him letters because he said, uh, in, an, in an effort to sell more copies of the book around the world, like, it's in England, but if you tell me where it is, I'll confirm it. I'll confirm it. Turns out Masquerade is a real tough puzzle, um, especially in the days before Reddit. Like, because you can't you know, share these, your days, work, yeah. these days, Reddit would have solved it pretty, pretty right. fast. Back in the day, it's just, you know, very small groups of people, um, maybe a couple of people working on it, you know, and all sort of siloed away. Here was the solution. Spoiler. So this was clued in various ways in the book, but what you had to do was find each of the creatures that were in the book and then draw lines from their eyes. What? Through their longest fingers and toes, and then keep the line going, mm. and you'd land right in the middle of letters that were around the borders. Wow! You could figure this because the book was published in many languages, but the the, the English homes around the pictures still the same. Changed. Yes, ah. and this was clued in various ways um, to to try to get you to think about eyes and fingers and drawing lines. And once you did that, you would get this message. Catherine's long finger overshadows earth buried yellow amulet midday points the hour in light of equinox. Look you. Uh, first of all, if you do an acrostic with this, it spells out close to Ant Hill, which is the place in, in England where this was sort of close to. Uh, the, long, the Catherine's long finger doesn't really mean a finger. It's actually the grave of Catherine of Aragon. Hmm. Who is Catherine of Aragon? She was the first of King Henry VIII's six wives. Wives, yeah. Uh, one of six, six to eight. eight. Yep. Uh, there were a lot of, like, confirmers in this book that would let you know you were on the right track. She had a big old cross up on a up on a hill. The book clued you in about the equinox, and it clued you into midday to noon. On the day of the spring equinox, at noon, the shadow of her cross will point to right where the rabbit was. There were two physicists who were working together who, years later, they figured this out. They were just a little bit too late. <gasps> Unfortunately, the hair had been found, had been dug up uh, by a guy named Ken Thomas. And when Kit Williams talked to Ken Thomas, he, he sent in the right solution. They kind of dug it up together. 
he realized Ken Thomas knew what the final, like he knew where the hair was and what the, that the cross pointed there, but he hadn't solved the puzzle. He didn't mm-hmm. understand what, he didn't get there by solving the puzzle of the book. But he found it, so I mean, it was pretty much just, you just have to find it. Years later, quote unquote, Ken Thomas sold the rabbit at auction at Sotheby's. Uh-huh. Um, Kit Williams tried to bid, but it went way higher than, than he was willing to pay. As part of the auction, a little bit more information came out about Ken Thomas, and that was not Uh-oh. his name. Uh-oh. And he was, in fact, a friend of a friend of Kit Williams' ex-girlfriend. Uh, damn it! Who had been living with him at the time, knew some of this, knew enough of the solution that she sort of vaguely knew where it was buried. Mm. And although she doesn't admit it, like, basically it turns out that three of them, her and a guy that she knew, and then Ken Thomas, who was the... The, the, the fall guy, you right. know, the, the, essentially, they went out there and they dug it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, Wait. they say that, like, it was not uncommon to see a lot of people out in England. Just you know, digging stuff. 79 and 1982, hmm. because that's about how long it took. Just digging up holes. Random stuff. For the rabbit, yep. <laughs> and he did, I actually, I don't have a copy of Masquerade here with me, but I have a copy of the sequel that he did, which is really interesting. I want to show it to you guys. Oh. So you may notice something interesting about this book that I'm passing around, is that uh, it actually doesn't have a title. And so the puzzle of this book, the the title is the solution to the puzzle. Oh, cool. And this is a lot. I'm not going to say the the title of this book because this book is easier to solve. Okay. You could solve. Well, so that here, well, here's the problem. If I want to get this from Amazon, <laughs> it's known as Untitled or oh, okay. Untitled or The Bee Book. Okay, by Kit Williams. But no one, there's no yeah. spoilers in Don't the. Don't do too much research on okay. it because you <laughs> might find the answer. Okay, got yeah. it. All right, cool. All right, and that's our puzzle episode. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you, Tyler. Oh, my pleasure. We we don't really get guests that often, so I'll so. come back anytime. Oh, uh, I can't believe we did a puzzle episode without a puzzle in it. Oh, I know. Mm, That's so weird. Oh, weird. Yeah. Mm. Mm. We should have we should have put it in the beginning. Maybe in the alliteration. I don't know. We should have tried to hide a puzzling word somewhere in the alliteration. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Oh well. Well, hope you guys learned a lot today uh, about masquerade, about cryptic crosswords. You can find our show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and on our website. Good job, Brain. Dot com. And don't forget, our uh, our listener friend Neville Fogarty wrote us a crossword puzzle. So check the site and maybe you can solve this puzzle. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.